Hello, and welcome to Moving Markets by Julius Baer. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Good morning, everybody. Our regular Moving Markets podcast will be back in its usual format on Monday, the 9th of January. But for today, we'd like to highlight a recent conversation that my colleague Alan Hooks, a private banking team head based in London, had on Julius Baer's True Connections podcast. Alan spoke to Chris Sheldrick, the CEO and co-founder of What3Words, and he asked him about what inspired him to set this business up. He also asked Chris what the future holds for What3Words, which is a company that offers an innovative address-finding solution. I guess I wouldn't mind tackling a few things with you today, Chris, specifically around What3Words and the story of your journey over the last decade and looking at what the future might hold for the organization and for you too. But I guess when we look at some of the inequalities in the world, poverty being one of those, there's plenty of organizations that are looking to tackle those and address those particular issues. But there's one or two of those issues which are probably less understood. And I think that sounds like it's the genesis of what three words. And it'd be interesting to see from your side how you came about to identify the issue and the way in which you started to embark on finding a solution for that. Sure. So I grew up in a village in Hertfordshire where we never had an address for my house. I grew up on a farm. And or let's say we don't have an address which anybody's ever been able to find our house first time with because we don't have a street number. We only have a street name and a house name. And that's something which occurs for a lot of people in this country. I mean, it's not the majority, it's definitely the minority. But for those people who encounter that, it's very bizarre. I mean, a lot of the country gets stuff delivered to them first time and then there are people who don't. But then I guess what compounded it for me was just going, well, this is weird, but OK, I'll live with it. To then working in the music business for 10 years and our business put on large scale music for events. We would always be trying to find the back of a stadium entrance or I don't know, somewhere in the middle of the Welsh countryside or halfway up an Italian mountainside. And wherever those places were, I could almost guarantee you know, every day you go somewhere new that the address we were given was not enough for people to actually arrive at where we needed to go because there'd often be a sort of small turning off a dirt track or something, which is where musicians and production crews inevitably have to load in. And so that just got me thinking all those years. And then when we started doing more and more international work, the same problem persisted and was much worse in many other places around the world. And that was from the Middle East, Dubai, Bahrain. We did things in India, Nigeria and all sorts of places. And it just struck me that wherever you go in the world, addresses is this kind of similar lottery of whether you can find where you're going or not. And you know that's when we started the company. Even now in 2022, the problem still persists. And I, like you, maybe sent sort of map or directions alongside addresses to try and find places. So it just seems to be whilst there always has been loads of development in maps and navigation technology, addresses is something that we use from centuries ago. And we just use what was the situation there. And we're still using it now in 2022, which for me feels like madness, when there should be a much simpler and equitable way that everybody should be able to refer to a small area we think a three meter square is pretty good and that's what we've done with what three words by dividing the world into these three meter squares and then naming each one with three dictionary words but i guess that's how it came to me in the first place was just my particular life led me to really understand this problem and what was the sort of the process chris that you sort of undertook to come up with that solution i mean it's trillions of three meter square grids across the globe how did you sort of distill the issue to finding a way in which you could come and solve it? 
The way we thought of the problem, and this was me and a friend sort of just in a room one evening batting this idea around, was I was trying to get the people in my music business to type in 16-digit longitudes and latitudes. So eight digits of latitude, eight digits of longitude. So you need 16 numbers to really define an area of about three metres. And I couldn't get people to do it because it was just too long and complicated. And it's not like there's a sort of cut-off as what's too long and complicated, but the human brain just doesn't like, even with phone numbers, often you have to sort of repeat them a couple of times if someone gives you their phone number and that's only I don't know nine or ten digits or something so 16 is just clearly too many so the way we thought about it was how can we distill this into something much more human friendly and the obvious solution I think is to use an alphanumeric code of nine or ten characters so 16 numbers versus nine or ten letters and numbers that can appear a bit easier but we just thought it wasn't easy enough because it's still nine or ten and that feels too long it's kind of like two postcodes or something in one. And the world is just a very convenient size, basically, that you can grid it up into 57 trillion squares, three meters by three meters. And then the fact that you can use sequences of three words is very neat. I think if we'd have had to use four words or five words, then it's starting to get very complicated. But the fact that you can do it in three just felt like a great opportunity. And it is just that the world's a very convenient size. So it was just batting that idea around and thinking, how can we make a code as short as possible, but something that feels human friendly from you know a child to a grandparent, depending on people's tech adoption appetite, that felt very simple. So simplicity was at the heart of it. And Chris, for, for some, they might have regarded this as a trivial issue. But as you say, it's a significant part of the globe that's effectively unaddressed. And I guess you could say off the grid. How do you go about convincing people that the magnitude of this issue is such? I think it really depends on who you talk to. Some people you have to convince and some people you hardly finish the pitch and they go, oh my God, you know, when I used to live in Costa Rica, you know, for example, which is a famous country in that there is no address system and you would literally write on an envelope across the train tracks left by the tree and on the right with the red door. And so if someone's lived in Costa Rica or visited Costa Rica, you'll never have any argument about whether this is a problem. Similarly, anyone who sort of lives on a farm, again, we have very few arguments there. If you live on a street at number six between number four and number eight, and if you don't go to many places in your life which which are unaddressed, then people sometimes say, oh, I'm surprised there's a problem. So I, I think it really depends who you talk to, what countries they've spent time in, or even, let's say, what their experiences are. I mean, anyone in the freelance industry who is always going to a new place every day, and that can be anything from a plumber to an electrician to a film crew, they will definitely feel the pain of addresses. But I mean, the stats are quite staggering. I mean, the UN, I think there's a four billion people stat from the UN saying that they don't have an address, pretty big number. You know, that might have evolved a bit since that stat was created a few years ago, but you're still talking in the billions when you think how much of the world this is an issue for. So I think undoubtedly the issue of addresses needs to be solved. It's 2022 and there needs to be a better way than there has been for the last few decades and centuries of going about this. And hopefully what three words is exactly that. And in terms of building up that opportunity and I guess matching the issue that you identified to the commercial opportunity. How did you go about that, Chris? Take us through sort of that side of things in terms of clearly a significantly less understood problem being identified, but to find a way in which you could create a commercial opportunity out of it. Was that difficult? It's actually easier than people may think in that people are unaware, I think, of how addresses are monetized today. So when you get a ride-hailing app out and it says, where do you want to go? And you put in an address. 
that ride-hailing app has to pay a service to convert the text that you've typed in, which might be on a number one region street, into a latitude and longitude. And that process is called either address search or geocoding. And that is something that people have to pay for, sorry, more specifically, businesses have to pay for. This is free for the consumer, but businesses have to pay. And so all we're doing is charging businesses who pay for this anyway. So for example, Mercedes cars, Mitsubishi cars, Subaru cars that we're integrated in, these guys are all having to pay for address data anyway. And so we're charging them, but that's very straightforward. The key, I think, is keeping addresses free for consumers, which is exactly how we as everyday people experience. We don't pay for addresses. So we just match that model. But I think it's important to remember that we're not in the maps business because we don't make maps. We're not in the navigation business because we don't tell people you know, when to turn left or right. All we are is in the address search business, but that is a really long-standing business model. So I think when we came into it, that was actually one thing that we didn't have to reinvent the wheel on because we could just match what's already out there, which of course is then makes life a lot simpler for businesses. They haven't got to create a new line item. And Chris, you've been really, really clear from day one, I guess, is the laser focus that you have on the human element of what three words as things have grown and as the organization has developed, more people have come in, you've expanded into tens of countries and developed the technology into many different languages. Has it been difficult to maintain that focus and your connection with the actual reason why you created it in the first place? Has that been difficult for you? Definitely over the years, there's been suggestions as to how we could expand the system, whether that's for height or whether we add extra detail, I don't know, to make smaller squares, or I find that with a system, a lot of people want to either re-engineer the system or add things to the system. Because once you understand the system, and it is very simple to understand, there's then this sort of suggestion of the next layer. But I think what's important to us is, of course, whilst many people know what three words, especially in the UK now, there's a lot of people who still don't in other countries. And we don't want to make that system any more complicated than it needs to be for people to learn and understand. There's many other geographic systems out there, which like latitude and longitude have things like hierarchy, sequence, and all of these kind of things and grid methods. But I find that with something like that, there's a lot to learn. And for your average person, they don't want to have a lot to learn. And with a new system, they want to keep it simple. So whether we launch in Japanese, Korean, Swahili, Hindi, whatever it is, it is still just three words for three meters. And that's it. And I think it's a bonus that there's no correlation between squares, between the three words you know, for this square and the one next to it. Because it means there is nothing to learn. And it's not only that, we think it's really good that it makes it far less error prone that you've got similar three word addresses than might be in other countries rather than next to each other. It is a plus because it means errors are really easy to spot. So I think in the early days, of course, you listen to your feedback very carefully and go, you know, should we do anything else? But we've always resisted it and gone, actually, we came up with a really simple, elegant idea. The skill is just saying no to messing with that. And I think just sitting with exactly that, three words for three meters, and we're now in 51 languages, and it's still really easy to learn. I think we made the right decision. You enjoy scaling it up. You've been there since day one. You had the frustration yourself in terms of back in the times when you're in the music industry and so on. So you've seen the growth in the business over the years, and I'm sure an enormous amount of change as well. As that scale has come and that growth has come, has that been an enjoyable part of the process or has there been some difficulties along the way from your perspective? 
There's always been difficulties for sure, but like many people who found a business which then gets bigger and bigger, you know, we're up to I think 175 people now. And, you know, there's much bigger companies obviously out there. You go through that process of doing everything yourself from the idea and being a total generalist. And then, you know, you start having a team and dealing with that. And then you deal with a team and you're managing the managers. And this is a logical transition that many people go through. And if you're scaling fast, as we were as well, you just about get comfortable with one stage of the business before you then get bigger and then you sort of feel uncomfortable to start as you have to take on a bunch of new stuff. I think one extra added dimension to that for our company is how international we've been from pretty much day one. And that comes in the form of international travel, not just for me, but for a lot of the team here. And that can be tricky in that it just creates more people away from each other more often, time zones having to produce internationalized materials very early on, the bandwidth that that requires from the team. And so I think that added dimension to it is definitely more complicated than if you're running a business where it's just focused on one country, or at least you can just start by getting big in one country and then going abroad. Trying to do all those things in parallel with travel and language is definitely a complicating factor. And that's probably was our biggest difficulty was trying to do all of that at the same time. But absolutely, I've loved every minute of it, as many other people do who scale, because you get this amazing education by doing it and you learn a bunch. And for me, that's been an incredible life experience. My former life in the music business was very different. Sure, I learned a bunch, but not by scaling our company. We worked with thousands of freelancers. It was a very differently designed business. But so much of it is transferable that you'd never think between the music world and the tech world. Fundamentally, you're dealing with people in both instances. And what I learned for those first 10 years was way more transferable than I ever thought. So that's all for today then. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. The usual Moving Markets show returns on Monday, the 9th of January, but you tune in again tomorrow when we'll be sharing more interesting insights from our recent podcasts. Bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favorite podcast player.